Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 26 of the Australian ICA podcast. In today's episode, this is going to be part one of a two-part episode entitled Transitioning to Overnight Hiking. Today's episode and episode 27 are aimed at hikers who are comfortable with doing hiking during the daytime or, or single day hikes and want to transition to overnight or multi-day hikes. And I think if you listen to your friends who are more experienced or those that actually go out and do overnight hikes, by this stage, you're probably sick of them talking about all the wonderful things they've seen and done uh, that, that you're limited to because you can't quite go as far or you don't quite see because uh, you're only doing a single day sort of hike. This podcast is basically a simple guide on making the transition from day hikes to overnight hikes and where we'll look at the basics that you'll need to consider. Things such as weather, gear, food preparation, site selection, as well as the all-important issue of where do you go to the toilet. Hopefully this will ease your concerns about the change to overnight trips and answer any questions that you may have. This article can also be viewed in the written form on our website and is linked to the Northern Campground Trail Review, which is where we're going to be going through and doing our practice overnight hike to show you how we go through and do things. This podcast is longer than our normal 30 to 33 minute format that we attempt to use, but we felt that it was, uh, it was uh, worthwhile including everything in one, uh, one podcast so you can keep track of it all. It's worthwhile uh, looking at the written uh, version of this podcast, uh, and possibly printing it out to use it as a bit of a checklist to keep track of how things are going. We hope you enjoy. So we're going to run through a few steps um, involved in overnight hiking for first-timers. And the first step is about making the decision. Now, this might sound like a really simple thing um, but really, I guess it could be summed up in the word of familiarity. So you need to decide uh, who you're going to go with and where you're going to go. Um, our guidance is uh, hike with a friend or group that you've been with before. Um, talk through the logistical issues. Um, and, you know, if you need to, uh, loan some equipment, equipment from other people. Uh, rather than invest first time round. And in addition to hiking with people that you're familiar with, it's always good to hike with people who have done overnight hiking before and it's second nature to them. Another option is if you were doing this by yourself or with someone else who hasn't done an overnight hike before, then you might want to consider things like car camping. So this is as simple as driving to a campground, setting up uh, nearby um, or preferably a short distance from your car. Um, your vehicle uh, provides 
a level of reassurance. So if things aren't going so well, if the weather comes up, um, if you're missing something, then you can retreat back to your car um, and be quite safe. Another option is to hike to a location you know very well from your day trips. Um, And again, uh, you know, this might include things like toilet facilities. So the point is that you, you're not really overloading yourself with too many new experiences in one go, um, which can be off-putting. And you're also using a well-known site, uh, which will minimise any in anxiety. The uh, next step, and probably the biggest one, is actually planning. And this is where probably most of the uh, the work is, uh, not so much in actually doing the hike or the, the trip itself, but in preparing for it. So first one is to look at is where. Uh, and Jill's actually mentioned a campsite you can drive to or a site you know well from day hikes, or one that only involves a short walk. And the example we're going to use in uh, our next and uh, part two of this, this podcast is a site that's on the Canberra Centenary Trail. It's only a three-kilometre walk in and three-kilometre walk out. So it's a nice, easy sort of trip to ease yourself into. Preferably choose a site for your first overnight foray that has toilet facilities as well as mobile phone coverage. Um, If you're used to using toilet facilities or going to the toilet in the bush, that's fine. But if you're not, again, as Jill mentioned, rather than trying to overload yourself, minimize or limit the things you have to learn on this trip. Don't choose a site where you need to do specialist navigation skills unless you already have them. So again, if you're new to uh, overnight hiking, you don't want to be having to go to a really complex uh, complex site that's difficult to navigate to, uh, that's, that's remote and out of the way. So keep things simple. Then there's the when. Pick a date that suits that won't be rushed. Um, I've seen hikers, and we've done this ourselves, where we've decided, oh, let's go camping this weekend. Uh, and, you know, we've got two days to go, and we all of a sudden have to start putting stuff together. Now, if we tend to do that, we do it on sites that we are familiar with, not brand new sites. I certainly like having a bit more time or a bit more lead time to plan and to uh, work out uh, where we're going to if we haven't been there before. I think the other thing is that it's a little bit like traveling or going on a holiday, you know. So the whole idea of getting all your things out for uh, the holiday is that you do it early and um, you decide what you need. You go away for a few days uh, from your bag and you come back and you look at it and you go, well, that's too heavy. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take this. So you start culling what you have. If you do it at the last minute, Our experience is that you take much more than you need um, and you probably take the wrong things rather than uh, the things that are going to be really helpful. You also want to go through and consider what the weather's like. Now, experienced uh, hikers will often be quite comfortable uh, picking uh, less than perfect weather conditions. But if this is the first time you've gone hiking or, or first time you've gone overnight hiking, then pick good weather that's really good. Don't, uh, don't pick sites that are uh, wet and boggy. Don't pick sites where it's pouring with rain, uh, where it's minus 5 or minus 7 degrees Celsius, um, or it's blowing a gale. 
Um, if you've got to try and learn a series of new skills or um, a new experience when the conditions aren't perfect, it's best to do it when the conditions are good. And the interesting thing about the uh, example that we use in the podcast on our trial overnight hike uh, was that we were expecting quite cold weather, you know, minuses and so on. Um, what actually happened on the hike was that it uh, clouded over. It was quite mild for uh, that time of the year and uh, the sorts of things that we were expecting uh, didn't eventuate in terms of the coolness of the weather. So it's always a, it's always a bonus when things are better, <laughs> yeah, yeah. better than you expect them It to was be. much better than we expected. Now, one of the reasons I say... You know, pick good weather conditions, don't, don't pick things that are difficult, is that it takes a while for any hiker to be able to build up a layering system to an extent that they know exactly what components go together and suit what specific conditions. For me, I have a setup that I know that will do me comfortably down to minus 7 degrees in rainy conditions, but it will also take me up to 30, 30 degrees plus as well. And that's taken me a while to sort of work out. And we're going to be talking about layering in a couple of episodes. Work out how you get there. Are you going to park your car? Are you going to camp near your car? Or are you going to get it dropped off? These are all suitable options and it really is whatever works for you. Who are you going to go with? Will you be camping with more experienced hikers who have done this before and can help help step you through the process? This is often a good way to do things, but it's not uh, necessarily the way that people will, will always uh, always want to do it. I mean, for us, I, uh, I like solo hiking. I like hiking with Jill. I'm not a big fan of hiking with groups on a regular basis. I'm glad you like hiking with me because <laughs> I think I'm just about the only person you hike with, Tim. <laughs> um, if, it's, if it's going to be... So is it going to be a solo trip or is it going to be with another hiker? And if, if the other hiker is coming with you, have they camped before or not? So if, if there is more than one of you, you should be, both take equal responsibility for the planning and agree on what you're going to be going through and doing. Equipment is the next consideration from a planning aspect. Overnight hikes require additional gear that you don't necessarily need when you're just hiking uh, during the daytime or a single day hike. Uh, Probably the first thing that most people tend to consider is the pack. And really, if you're planning on buying a new pack, I would suggest you leave this until you've got all your other gears sorted out or uh, borrow a pack in the first instance. Don't let the pack, your pack size dictate what you bring. So if you set out all the rest of your gear, work out what you need to, to hike or camp safely in the conditions you've got, uh, and then work out what size pack that you need. Um, I, uh, I must admit, I, uh, I bought a, a, a 70 litre pack a number of years ago based on advice from the trip website uh, and ended up only filling it by about two thirds. So I needed a much smaller uh, sort of pack uh, uh, as, uh, as it turned out. And I think the other thing is that some of that advice that you do see uh, that you can get that does lean towards some of those larger packs is based on about a bunch of assumptions. One of the assumptions, I think, is very traditional, very bulky, very heavy uh, hiking gear. And there are so many different options available now in terms of um, materials and combinations and uh, uses uh, that 
certainly somebody my size uh, being recommended to have a 60, 65 or 70 litre pack is just way overkill. By all means, borrow a pack if you can, but make sure it fits properly. Uh, I'm all for borrowing equipment until you work out what you want. But if you borrow the wrong equipment or equipment that doesn't fit you, but happens to fit your friends really well, that's not going to help you. Uh, So again, uh, look at the equipment, make sure it fits. And this is where hiking stores tend to help, that they know how to fit you properly. uh, And they can... uh, If you are looking at buying a pack, they can certainly recommend one for you. The next major issue is going to be the shelter. Again, best borrowed if you don't own one at this case, because this can be an expensive purchase, and you don't want to um, buy something that you might never use again. Now, the shelter needs to be big enough to suit you and your partner if there is one. It needs to be easy to set up, and it needs to be suitable for the planned conditions. So for most of the hiking we do, this means a three-season tent. And three-season basically means not not really suitable for snow conditions. And for many Australian hikers, that's pretty much the majority of hiking that people tend to do. And I must admit, I was a little bit sceptical about our big Agnes tent um, with the fly and uh, the mesh tent uh, proper. Uh, thinking, oh, I'm going to freeze. You know, come that third season, that's going to be it for me. Um, It is surprisingly cosy. So, you know, uh, be careful about the tent because I think there's a tendency for you to overheat in tents rather than be too cool in tents. Sleeping bag, and this is probably one of the big considerations for people, as long as you can stay dry, which your tent's going to hopefully do, uh, being warm is, is, is one of the main considerations. So have a sleeping bag that is going to suit the expected conditions on the hike. Now again, borrow one by all means, but don't borrow a lightweight summer sleeping bag if you plan on going hiking in minus three or four conditions. You're better off having a sleeping bag that's too warm. You can always unzip it or put your arms out or open up the bottom of the bag. But if it's too cold... Uh, and you're already wearing all your clothes and you've got nothing more, that can be potentially, uh, potentially become dangerous. Okay, sleeping mat. Again, borrow one if you can here. Um, and if you can convince your more experienced friends to give you their really good sleeping mat, um, if you don't already have one. And the sleep system is a very important part of your comfort. So sleeping on a thin foam mat is fine. That's what people used to do for a number of years. But it means that you're not likely to be as comfortable and if this is just a, a tester to see if this, is, if, this is, if this is for you, you want to make sure you're as comfortable as you can possibly be. Camp stove. Uh, we Our last podcast was an article on camp stoves. And if you're looking at getting a stove or bringing a stove, listen to that or read the article. But I would suggest for the first time you hike overnight uh, is to leave the stove behind. Um, you can normally get away with not having warm food. Uh, If you're experienced in using a camp stove, by all means bring it. But if it's a new skill that you need to learn, uh, skip it and just bring food that you can eat without having to cook. Lay your clothing. Now we talked about this uh, briefly a little while ago. And if this is the first time you've overnight hiked, bring clothes to suit the colder conditions that you expect. Uh, There's nothing worse than being cold for no reason. But everyone's cold tolerance is different. 
So the use of a layering system is standard in hiking practice, but it does take each individual to where I have to work out what their tolerances are. And as I said, for me, my, uh, my system does me down to minus 7 degrees Celsius quite comfortably, but it probably wouldn't do most hikers uh, down to that temperature. I, I've worked outside for most of my life. Uh, I've worked in cold environments. Um, I am quite comfortable in just a single thin layer at, my, at, uh, at 3 degrees Celsius where most people wouldn't be. I'm definitely not. I'm rugged up, uh, looking like a puffball. <laughs> I'm wearing Tim's clothes. <laughs> okay, food is another important consideration. Be sensible and work out what you will eat for dinner and breakfast and remember to bring snacks. Uh, but you're only going for an overnight hike, so don't bring enough food for three or four days. Uh, but remember to bring treats, so cheese, chocolate, whatever you d- you decide it's a, it's a bit of a treat. Um, that's that's going to make you feel more comfortable, maybe if the weather's not so great. And we talked about this a little bit uh, in previous podcasts that you always take too much food. I don't I don't know what it is, whether or not we don't monitor food uh, sufficiently in our normal day-to-day, but when we uh, start piling food up for an overnight, for a weekend, for a day, um, there's way more than we would normally eat or normally need. Remember the, the, the cutlery and the crockery as well. Make sure it's lightweight. Um, and um, again, bring the minimum you can get away with. You don't necessarily have to bring a bowl and a plate, uh, as well as a cup and a knife and a fork. You might get away with just a, a few of those pieces, depending on what you're bringing to eat. Toiletries, certainly bring those along, but minimize what you need to bring, but bring what you need. Uh, but remember, you have to carry it. And I'd always suggest, even if there are toilet facilities in in the places that you're going, bring toilet paper. Uh, You can almost guarantee the time you don't bring toilet paper is the time that there's nothing available to use at the the facility. If you are going to be using uh, the cat hole method, um, that's basically when you're going to the toilet um, in the woods, if you like. Um, And there is a bit of a skill learned in digging the hole and being able to Perfected, and I must admit it wasn't something that I was ever taught as a as a male, as a young male, was how to go to the toilet uh, in the uh, in the woods. <laughs> and the key there is, you've always got to dig your hole before you really need it. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, but bring a lightweight trowel if you are going to be, if you know you're you're not going to be able to use the toilet facilities on a site. Bring some safety equipment. Now the saying here is. Plan for the worst and hope for the best. Um, I One of the reasons that we suggested that going to a site where you've got phone access is if, it, if an emergency occurs for no particular reason or no planned reason, uh, you can always call the emergency services. Uh, so there's no, there'll be no need to take a beacon with you. Uh, and I've, I've never had to use a beacon even though I carry one. Um, I'd also suggest looking at first aid equipment as well. So carry the basics, band-aids, something like ibuprofen, uh, and normally we recommend something like that as opposed to, say, aspirin or Panadol, mainly because uh, it deals with inflammation. Uh, And if you've you've been pushing yourself and your your legs are sore, ibuprofen as 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 a type of pharmaceutical is a good option for hikers. 
And also just think about um, some of those basic first aid courses uh, that you've been on. If you haven't been on, then would suggest that you you do develop your skill in that area. Um, but when you do look at the first aid course and um, the basic first aid kit that's suggested in those courses, it is pretty basic. And I think sometimes people uh, get a little bit carried away with what they need, but definitely band-aids, bandages, um, and and some basic kit is all you need. Okay, rubbish. Pack it in, pack it out. So in Australia, we had it, used to have a concept a number of years ago called burn, bash, and bury. And it's as it sounds. You would throw all your rubbish into the fire. When the fire was out, you would bash and squash all the tins and pack it down as, as, as small as you could get it. And then you'd dig a hole and bury it. And that, that sort of concept no longer applies. That Really, the expectation is what, what rubbish or what materials you don't use, you take back out with you again. Water. Pick a site that has access to water, either from a tank or a stream. Otherwise, you're going to need to bring what you need. And again, if you're, you need to work out how much water you're likely to need. For us, for a dinner with a rehydrated dinner and dessert, uh, with a couple of cups of tea or coffee uh, for evening and for breakfast, we need about 1.8 litres of water um, for, for the two of us. We then need water to drink through the day. So uh, water to drink getting to the campsite and water to drink getting back, back to your car again. Uh, and I tend to allow uh, about one litre of water for every 10 kilometres that we walk. Uh, and that, that's, that's even included on very hot days. So you'll know how much water you tend to use and how much water you tend to drink. But uh, don't bring too much. But as I said, it's better off if you can actually pick a site that has water available. Having said that, the campsite that we're going to use as our demonstration or as our example in the next podcast, the water tanks there actually say, do not drink the water. Uh, they do this from a legal point of view. So if someone gets sick, you can't, you can't say you weren't warned. Uh, I've had Gyari in the past going through India. I don't particularly want it again. Uh, it took me about a, a six weeks to get rid of it once I came home to Australia and I lost quite a lot of weight. So I, as a matter of course, will filter water in Australia or overseas. Um, probably the easiest thing to filter water with, if you don't have a water filter, is getting the, um, uh, the, the tablets from the store, the hiking stores or the chemists uh, to, to treat water. It doesn't get rid of the chunky bits, but it will actually get rid of a, a lot of the... Um, the, the, the bugs and, and bacteria that, that are going to cause you problems. The other thing you can use to filter your water as well is a bottle with a built-in filter. Don't go for the cheap ones from, the, um, from some of the, the $2 shops. Get a good quality one from the, uh, the hiking stores and they'll make it nice and easy for you as well. As I said, plan for the worst case. So I'd actually recommend downloading the, from a, if you're in Australia, downloading the emergency app, which goes onto your phone. Um, it means that if you, you can use it to call the emergency services if something does go wrong, and it will actually give you the coordinates of exactly where you are. Uh, so it's quite a useful app, and we'll put the link to that into both the written article and the show notes. Last but not least, from a planning perspective, 
bring a book or a deck of cards or a puzzle uh, to as an activity for nighttime. Or if you're just happy to talk, that's fine. But have a think about what you're actually going to be doing when you're at the campsite. And and make sure that if you're travelling with others, they will want to talk also. <laughs> so if you forego the book or the puzzles or whatever it might be, um, and you're relying on a long conversation into the night, you might be surprised that people don't necessarily want to do that. So the next thing we're going to talk going to talk about is what you do before you go. So at least a week before you head off, you need to do an initial pack. Um, so pack pack your backpack um, to make sure that things are easily accessible, particularly for those things that you want to be able to access during the day, and also to make sure that you're not lopsided. Uh, do a hike of a similar distance. Uh, that you're planning to do so you can make sure that you can physically cope with the the weight um, and uh, confirm that the balance of the pack is is um, uh, well ordered Um, this is called a shakedown hike so you can refer to our show notes um, on the shakedown hike uh, podcast Um, and we'll put that in the uh, article Make sure you have uh, the tent uh, set up um, and use whatever stove you are taking prior to your first overnight trip. So you need to do a bit of practice with this. There's nothing um, more frustrating uh, when you get onto the site and you finally choose the spot that you're going to camp and, and set up your tent and you stand there looking thinking, I just don't know how to do this. And I have to say, I think Tim and I have done that a couple of times um, in our camping. And we've looked at bits in our hands thinking, now what do we do with this? We thought we were fine. We did practice. Um, but it went, when it's out there, real life, and it's all go, you're thinking, uh, maybe I should have taken a bit more notice of that one. So our current tent, our big Agnes uh, 2 Copper Spur tent, uh, uh, we actually set that up, uh, set that up inside our house. They um, <laughs> didn't obviously put the tent, tent pegs into the floor, but uh, we set it up to make sure we wor- it worked quite well. And it meant that when we actually got out into the, the the real world, into nature, it was relatively easy to set up. So you also need to check times uh, of sunrise and sunset. Uh, This is particularly important uh, because you always want to be walking in daylight hours. And uh, we've talked about this before. You also want to be able to uh, set up camp while you can see everything. And I know a lot of experienced hikers might not do that. um, And sometimes... Uh, people get caught and they're unable to do that uh, but certainly when you're starting out the preference is do everything in the daylight and get well settled uh, by the time uh, the sun goes down. You need to check the long-term weather forecast so it's pretty uh, easy these days to be able to see the forecast uh, for a week in advance so it's not really long term it's you know we're just talking a week or so um, just to make sure that you've got a bit of understanding of of the possibility of the weather conditions and whether or not they're likely to change. Uh, and as Tim mentioned, we were uh, we've we've set up our camp uh, or at least our tent in our house. We've also done it in our backyard. Uh, we've tried our our 
camp stoves in our backyard and we've even sat on our back deck uh, in the middle of winter eating um, rehydrated food uh, to test how we might feel when we're actually out there in the cold. So now we'll look at the day before. Um, again, check the weather forecast uh, to make sure uh, that it hasn't changed. Um, if it has changed, it might be for the better or it might be for the worst and you, you might need to reassess uh, what your uh, arrangements are going to be, particularly if it's for the worse. Uh, do a final pack, checking your equipment one last time. And, um, you know, we're a bit methodical about this, so uh, we pack our own gear and we also do tend to pack it in the same way um, each time. So while my pack might be packed differently to Tim, um, I pack it in the same way every time. And uh, the more more hiking we do, the more familiarity he has with where I put things and, and so on. For me, it means I can just reach in and I know exactly where something is. And I know if it's missing. That's probably the most important thing. Next thing you need to do is to make sure someone else knows uh, what you are doing, who you're going to do do it with, and when you're going to be back. Um, so give give them a written copy of your plans that include locations, expected return time, and group size. Next thing you need to do is pack non-perishable food. Uh, this is sort of the last minute uh, bit of your packing uh, to make sure that the food doesn't uh, go off before you get to where you're going. And lastly, in terms of the day before, check your torch batteries and uh, make sure uh, that you have them and make sure that they are charged. On the day of your camp, confirm the weather conditions one last time. Uh, don't be afraid to cancel the trip if the weather's not looking good. Uh, you also need to check the health of the participants. Uh, again, if you aren't well, don't go. Uh, pack your perishable foods. Let your emergency contact know uh, that you're actually going to do this and then travel to the embarkation point. Okay, so the planning side of things is fairly involved and it's, it is by far the most complex or the most time-consuming process. The actual hiking bit itself is, is, is quite easy in comparison. So on the trail, uh, you need to walk to your, your campsite that you've chosen uh, as if you were doing a normal day hike. Um, and remember, it's not a race. Uh, if it takes you um, three hours to get there or it takes somebody else an hour to get there, it really doesn't matter. It's whatever's comfortable pace for you. Uh, but a bit, allow yourself plenty of time to get there and set up your camp in, uh, in the light. And just on that, I mean, there's a lot to see along the way. So sometimes, you know, it's a little bit like remember to smell the roses. Okay, so when you arrive at the campsite, um, have a uh, put your packs down somewhere uh, out of the way and somewhere you remember where they are and have a good, good look, walk around. Have a look and see where potential campsites are. Have a look and see if there are toilet facilities, where the water is. Check the prevailing winds. Um, and to give you a good indication of what's there. If you're 
turning up when it's pitch black, you don't always have that luxury and that opportunity. And you've got to try and do this when it's pitch black with a, with a torch. And you may not always make the best decisions as opposed to when you turn up during the daytime. Um, basically, pick flat ground or as flat as you can get and fairly smooth ground. Get rid of any rocks, sticks or sharp objects from underneath your tent site. And if you're on a slope, sleep with your feet downhill. There's nothing worse with sleeping with your head downhill. Uh, it gives me a headache, so um, I, I prefer not to be sleeping on a slope at all. But if you have to, feet downhill. You also don't want to be sleeping sideways because otherwise you both, if there's two of you, you end up sliding into the, the side of the tent. Or oh, oh, one ends up sliding onto the other one. That's not good. <laughs> no. So again, it's, yeah, it's, it's the length of the tent, not the width where you want the slope. Don't sleep under dead tree branches. They fall. We, um, one of our favourite overnight trips is to Cotter Flat in the um, Bimbury Wilderness. Um, and we camped there uh, early last year. It was just a bit over 12 months ago. Uh, heavy rainstorm. Uh, and we were hearing large trees come crashing down during nighttime. Uh, dead, dead branches on eucalypts will quite often fall, and there are some species of eucalypts when they are in full growth mode in summertime, it's not unusual for them to drop live, healthy branches. So you really don't want to be camping underneath them. And it's a really menacing, cracking noise, a little bit of silence, and then this just crash. So you definitely know it's happening around you. Okay, look for shelter from prevailing wind or any potential wind. Set up your tent as well as your sleep system while it's still light. Set up your camp kitchen again while it's still light. Uh, but don't walk away and leave your food because something may make away may make off with it. Uh, so when we did our um, a trip on the Larapinta Trail last year. Stanley Chasm, there's uh, two crows or two, two members of the crow family there. Uh, they work in as a team and they steal food as soon as you turn your back. Uh, and <laughs> that that, quite funny. And it only takes seconds and it's gone. Now, work out what's happening with water. If you've bought your water, you're fine. If you're filtering, go through and, and filter your water. Work out what the toilet system is. Are you using facilities provided or do you need to dig a cat hole? Once you've actually gone through and completed, you've you've had your you've, you've had your dinner, um, you've um, you've gone to bed, uh, you've slept, or maybe you haven't slept, uh, and it's not unusual. Um, and I think if, for most of us, it's there is actually a um, a physiological reaction that when we sleep in a new place for the first time, we don't tend to sleep as well, uh, and this applies to camping. The first night for us on a camping trip is always the less least restful. Uh, certainly on the second and third night, we tend to be so tired that we do sleep fairly well. And the other thing is that you're in the wilderness, you're out in the bush, uh, you're out in a national park, and there are lots of different noises than you would normally find, uh, you know, tucked up cosy in your own home. Um, and there are lots of noises. So it does take a bit of time to get used to. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that people mostly um, talk to us about is that, oh, did you hear that in the middle of the night? And what was that? And, you know, it's, it's just the bush. Um, and it does take a bit of time to get used to that. Um. 
So you'll find that um, you probably will have a, a restless night's sleep on your first night when you're camping, uh, camping out. Uh, but don't expect that to be, be the norm. Uh, and as I said, if you've got good equipment, you've got a good sleeping mat, you're warm, you're comfortable, that'll give you the best opportunity to have the best night's sleep. Okay, so now, now you've gone through and done your overnight hike, you've, you've had your breakfast and it's time to go home. So before you leave your campsite, make sure you pack everything. Um, and again, be methodical about it, be consistent about it so that you can check and double check. But having said that, also do a site check and ensure that you haven't left any rubbish or equipment behind. Um, and really double check. So have a couple of people doing a sweep and then get somebody to do uh, the sweep again. Um, and we know this from personal experience because we see lots of tent pegs that have been inadvertently uh, left behind uh, by campers. Uh, top up your water if you need and then head off back to your return point. And the last step is when you return, let your emergency contact know that you're back and that you're safe. Uh, obviously unpack your equipment, wash and clean what you need um, or air everything if, if that's going to work, uh, work better. Um, and, you know, put it away quickly. There's nothing worse than, you know, waiting weeks and weeks and weeks and then suddenly you decide, oh, maybe I'm going to clean up the lounge room um, and put all of this gear away. Um, if your gear of any kind um, for any of your recreational activities is left lying about, not stored properly, not clean, uh, not packed away, um, it, it won't last as long. Um, simple fact is uh, it'll get damaged, uh, it'll be exposed to conditions that it's not normally exposed to. So, you know, protect it, look after it. It's the sort of stuff that's going to be important to you at some point. So make sure you take care of it and store it well. Okay, so that's your, your trip done and over. Um, and hopefully it has gone well for you. Uh, now, this has been a fairly long episode as, as identified at the start, uh, and I'd probably suggest going through and using the written article as more of a guide because there is a lot to remember. The main thing is you're there to enjoy yourself. It's not a route march, um, so take it as easy and as slowly as you want, uh, but make things as simple as you possibly can for you. Don't try and do too much. Build up to things bit by bit. And, and again, as, the, as I mentioned not taking a stove on your first overnight hike, if you're not familiar with it, is probably a good option. Okay, so we've gone through and looked at really the steps in, in going through and thinking about your first overnight hike. And, and as indicated, there's a lot of planning involved in this. So the actual execution component isn't really that complex. It's more the planning side of things that, that's the issue. So make sure that you really think about your own personal situation. You might have medical conditions that are specific to you and nobody else. Uh, you might be on medication. Uh, you might need to let somebody know if that's the case and they're not aware of it. Uh, so it's it, these are all little things to consider. And, and while the overall planning is uh, something specific or general, uh, there are going to be specifics that only relate to you. Mm -hmm.
So we've talked a lot about um, things that you need to think about, things that you need to consider. Um, the main thing is just give it a go. Um, these are little hurdles. Just step through the little hurdles and uh just experience it and you'll get your confidence up. You'll work out your own plan. You'll work out what works for you. And uh, before you know it, you'll be off and running and doing multi-night hikes. Um, and, you know, you'll be on your way to doing 14-day tri- treks on the Larapinta Trail. <laughs> okay, that's all for today's episode. As mentioned, next week's episode is part two of this, uh, this episode, uh, transitioning to overnight hiking. And as mentioned, we're actually going to be doing a trip to the Northern Campground, which is one of the, the easy campsites that people can use if you live in Canberra. Um, and as, as mentioned, there is a written article or written, written review of that campsite or that, uh, that trail as well. Uh, and read the written article as well, just as, a, as, a, as an additional thing to help you keep track of, of all this information we've thrown at you. We hope you, this has been helpful. We hope you've enjoyed. Um, look forward to, uh, to seeing you next time. Um, as always... You can download this podcast from iTunes or Stitcher uh, through our website or through SoundCloud. Uh, If you have an opportunity, please go through and rate us on iTunes. That's all for today's episode. Bye for now. And bye from me.